1: Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. With me, as always, John Duke. And we've got quite a bit of a show ahead of us, John. I'm not even sure how we're going to pack it all in to our usual 45-minute segment here, but... Lots of 2008 flashback talk for you and I. I know not every listener lived through it. We certainly did. I'll even tell you a story from the locker room. I think I might have divulged this one in the past once before about Glenn Davis, who was in the news, thanks to TMZ, and then Ray Allen, coming out with a book, excerpts of that leaking all over the place. I do not intend to buy that book. Uh, we'll certainly get to that. And then injuries abound even more since the last show and a surgery, and that's all just in a week. So we'll talk about how the team performed in the meantime since the last show and some bright spots and some things to be concerned about. And then finally, a final look at the standings. With just about a month to go and only 12 games on deck, we're gonna talk about just how much the Celtics have a grip on that number two seed. Number one being unlikely, unlikely just a few games back from, I mean just five games back from Toronto. But all that more in this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. And John, I guess maybe we just kick it right off with Ray Allen who I would not consider to be a friend of the show and I would al- and I would also say if we were to have any kind of organized reunion he probably wouldn't be invited to ours either
0: no i know i you know look <laughs> we've, you know, we've been around the barn on this one with Ray Allen for a while. And, you know, our, our, our good buddy and CLNS founder, Nick Gelsa, likes to be a player foil here on this. Um, I'm sure Nick's got some thoughts when he watches this, uh, and where we're going to go with it. But look, okay, let's, let's lay this down. Let's kind of go back, right? This summer, you know, Pierce and, and Ray meet up in China. You know, Pierce talks about burying the hatchet. I was, you know, still uncomfortable with it. Ray, uh, you know, was seemingly open to that. Things were good, uh, and then, um, you know, we 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 talked about it here on the show. We talked about the fact that, you know, at the the, uh, ban- the banner unveiling of of Pierce's re- number retirement, KG is there, Rondo is there, Doc is there. I mean, we got Ty Lue there, we got James Posey there, and we got a lot of guys from from the two thousand eight crew. One guy not there, Rayan. What's he doing? He's taking an Instagram picture with George Lopez on a golf course. That's weird.
1: Okay, then no, the timing is weird it's, because it was the timing yeah. of putting it up there that made right. it like a little jab. That's really what was what made that an issue. It. Who cares if he went golfing and didn't make it? It's almost like he was throwing it in somebody's face. I'm not even well, sure it's sure. pierces.
0: No, no, but it was, it was, it was done with purpose, right? And so the, the hatchet is supposedly buried. Then that happens. And then now we get this book. We get excerpts of the book. Sean Devaney of Sporting News did a great job kind of unveiling some of that and and showing us what that was and, and really unearthing a few things. Some things I think we knew. Some things that, uh, we'd guessed. I mean, the, certainly the bottle throwing incident that Rondo was, um, you know, during a, a film session, was unhappy. And oh, threw a come bottle on. He was doing
1: the water work. bottle challenge. It was the water yeah, bottle right. challenge. That's
0: Absolutely all. Right. <laughs> but we we knew about some of these things. But listen, this is like, uh, I just, you know, you can't bury the hatchet and then unbury the hatchet, right? And, you know, Pierce is trying to put this to bed. And Ray Allen, for whatever reason, just can't let it go. You know? I mean, everyone says, oh, you need to put it in the past. Ray Allen's the one who's dredging this up. Ray Allen's the one who, when it got traded, is like, you know, kind of, you know, making comments about who gets traded and who's who's right. And like, look, as a free agent, yeah, you have the right to go with it wherever you want. It doesn't mean there's no circumstances, no, there's no, uh, uh, no problem, there's no issues that, with what you make. No one's saying you don't have the right to make a decision, a free agent. But you had you had a, an obligation to your teammates to make them know and communicate that. And he didn't do that. From that point on, and really before that, Ray's inability to mesh with those guys, talk with those guys, I think was really uh, the problem. And when he's off golfing and hanging out with Danny and Doc, the rest of the guys are hanging out. And that rift, it never healed. It didn't bother Pierce, but it certainly seemed to bother the rest of the guys. And, you know, this kind of attention-grabbing book uh, I think is really unfortunate. And it certainly does nothing to help mend the fence that – Supposedly he wants to have mended, but it seems like he only wants to do it on his terms.
1: Well, it's also interesting because if you listen to the pregame with uh Grandy and Max before the Pelicans uh tout, they were talking about how they had and even Scal, I guess, had brought it up also during the, the broadcast, but how they had gone and talked to all those players and asked about some of these incidences that Ray cites in the book to see if there was any truth to it and of course we know Scal was in that locker room for many of those years and nobody's corroborating this these stories i mean obviously the rondo thing but but all these slights and uh you know the things that that ray seems to be using and even then i tweeted out too when this first came was when ray said you know essentially or in the book he's talking about how the fact that why would i want to stay here you know they were looking at benching me and you know they didn't think they wanted to start me and all of that i had no problems with him leaving i think the part that he has missed from the very beginning is where he went You know, there were a lot of places he could have chased the championship. You just don't go to the enemy, dude. You just don't. And that's why Kevin Durant got all of that harsh criticism from me when he did the same thing. At least I'm consistent amongst the players in that choice. You just don't do that to a fan base and expect them to still love you. It won't happen. It's not going to happen. It's unrealistic to believe that it will. And then for him to just continue throwing shots back at the franchise and his former players, it just shows that, you know, that's he had spite. He tries to play it off like he's taken the high road, but he hasn't taken the high road. He clearly had spite when he left the club and that's why he chose Miami.
0: He had spite. He had <laughs> He had he he had so much anger inside of him about the team and everything that went along with it. It it was it was clearly something that came out of malice. And you know, and I understand. You know, look, there's there's a real hard truth that older players have to face you know you're not the guy who's going to play 45 minutes you're not the star you once were and when Avery Bradley came in he was you know he kind of stepped in and he took some of those minutes he was going to take some of those minutes but that Ray was unable to kind of see that 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 ground you know it, it just it was a quite an odd scenario and you know like today there was uh some comments that Rondo made to uh um, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe saying, you know, yeah, I, not only, you know, I, I'd be glad to talk to a man to man, but you know, I wasn't upset about him leaving. No, of course he wasn't upset about him leaving because they were, they were at, at, uh, uh, you know, right at, uh, right at loggerheads over the whole thing. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it's been a weird, weird dynamic. And I just, it, it boggles my mind how some can still support Ray and supo- still look at Ray as a guy who um you know it, it, you know is, was in the right here, and, and they're mixing up the fact that, yes, he had a right to do that, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. You know I have there's a lot of things you can do in this life. It doesn't mean you have you can do them without consequence. He has consequence for what he did, he left this team, and yes, it was on the downside. Yes, that he was being phased out. You know what he has to recognize where he is in his career. Pierce recognized that, and it was hard for him. To and stand it's on the like bench he
1: he never it. says this is what I did wrong. Never once does he say no. in any of this dialogue I did some things that probably I shouldn't have done. It is clear that all of these assaults were were directed at him. They were one sided, and you know, and the. The biggest thing that he can do is say, well, I had to make a business decision because of, you know, what they were going to do with my career. Which, again, no problem there. Understood, you know? But, at the same time, to your point about consequences, You know, that's that's the thing. And where is the humility here? Like maybe I had (laughs) something to do with what was going on with my relationship with Rondo. Maybe there were some areas where I could improve. I just don't we don't hear that from him. Um, I certainly haven't seen it anyway. And, And if it's in the book, because I haven't read the book. If it's in the book, it's certainly not something he's eager to portray anywhere else, and that's that's I think where my frustration is: is the fact that he doesn't see he seems to think that this is a one sided scenario, and it never is. Anytime there's conflict like that, it's not one sided. We all know who Rondo is, but for some reason, everybody else on the team was able to survive it.
0: And I find it interesting. This is you said what what Grady and Max had said, and 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 Pierce on the jump. You know, and, and really everyone apart from Ray has had a very different version of events. And that's, that's just weird, you know, and it just, it's off putting, you know, and it's like, look, even I who wants to hold a grudge, look, we just passed St. Patrick's Day. All of us who have a little Irish in us, right? We all know how to hold a grudge, but I'm really, I'm, I'm really willing to move past this. It's 10 years, you know. I'm willing to like say, look, it's over. It's you know, and and just kind of okay, fine. Everyone make amends. I'm but not. Why would I? Why would I? Because when this is going on, it's like you just keep jabbing, 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 dude. Put it away. Just sit down. Shut up. It will go away. People really dislike Maxwell.
1: It really That's just going to say he, he made that issue. comparison in that pregame analysis of Absolutely. all this. He talked about that. And, you know, he even said sometimes if you're the guy on the outside, you're going to have to be the one that kind of, yeah. you know, takes a stiff upper lip and. And tries to, to move things along. And also that he and Grandy had been working sort of behind the scenes to patch some of this up. And it seemed like Paul Pierce was the one who was willing to take those first necessary steps. Whereas Rondo and KG maybe still had a chip on their shoulder to some degree. And Paul was the one to be able to repair that. And clearly, you know, Ray wanted no part of it at this point. Right.
0: And, and let's give Paul Pierce credit. Paul Pierce tried. Paul Pierce tried to put this in the past. And no, and
1: that's why he's the right? captain. That's why he's the captain. Absolutely,
0: And that's, and that's why I think this is, let's go back to this. I hear a lot of, well, Ray Allen should have been MVP of the 2008 finals. Shenanigans. I'm calling shenanigans on that. Paul Pierce's effort in game one and Paul Pierce consistently through that series is why they won that series. Ray Allen had a great game four and really is the one who led them through that comeback. But Paul Pierce consistently Through that series, KG wasn't terrible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, you know, no one else had a great series but Paul Pierce was the one throughout that run who really was the
1: key. He wanted it, and they focused the whole game plan around him, and he executed, and quite mm-hmm. frankly, you could not have done that with Ray Allen. So there you yeah. go. And yeah. I don't want to, He was better than a role player, because I yeah. don't want to diminish his contributions that way. You know, Absolutely. just from a pure basketball standpoint, he was definitely more than a role player, but he wasn't the prime featured player. And he knew that coming in, they kinda of made it clear, and I think that's when it, they all asked the question, can these three players coexist? And they really could, but it required Ray to have some humility over time. And I do think that him having to be number three, and not, you know, part of that top two, one, two punch. But look at KG. He was always willing to pass up shots. He was always willing to be the rebounder and the defender. You know, and Ray was, Ray became a defensive liability. When he first, that first season, maybe first two, we were impressed yeah. with how much defense he played and was actually like, Oh wow, I think he actually can contribute to some solid defense. Maybe he's better than we thought he is. But he after did. that second year, he really slid off. He did a nice job on to, to that point, did a decent job on Kobe in the
0: finals, you know, in 08. So you're right. He he really was a, a fine contributor, but somehow it's just, you know, it gets mixed up with time. Well, he should have been. No, he
1: shouldn't have been. Now he's finals. mad about he, the corner threes. He was mad about being a yeah. decoy from the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. had he not had to be – had Rondo not tried to put him in his place – a little bit and tried to alpha him, they probably would have survived it. So I'm not saying... But but this is my point about there being two sides to the story. So for as much as, you know, Rondo is cantankerous and difficult to get along with in the locker room and was hard-headed and not always open to constructive criticism, Ray really wasn't a whole lot different in many ways in terms of hard-headedness. and And, you know, neither was KG, obviously. But in Ray's scenario... You know, he was sort of like, all right, I'm going to do it for Paul, and I'm going to do it for KG, and I don't really want to... But I'm gonna do it for those two guys, but I'll be damned if you're gonna punk me, you little bitch. And then, (laughs) and (laughs) then, and then that was when all the things that had already been bothering him had come to a critical point where he couldn't take it anymore. And that, that to me is, is probably the, the, it's probably very basic and doesn't need this litany of slights that he wants to put into this book that may or may not even be true.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. I think 08, 09 were, are a different story, and 10 is where things really changed because let's look at that 2010 playoff run. Who was the key in that guy, in, in that run? It was Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo is the, was the best player and probably consistently from the beginning of those playoffs to the end. He was the guy. It, without Rondo, they don't get past uh, the Magic. They don't get past Cleveland. Um, they were... And really the first couple of games of the Lakers series, he was phenomenal in that series. So, and I, and that's why I think there was some, you know, as, as Paul Pierce said, there's no reason why, yeah. Oh wait, no, he wasn't, he wouldn't have said that, but would he have said that he was the best player carrying us in 2010? Yeah, he would have, because it was true and he believes that. So, I think you're right. That was the demarcation point where things really started to slide down the downhill. Well, on the downhill slope. And, and it's it's a shame. But
1: and I, and if we're gonna no dredge ideas. up stuff, one more. You know, this will be the last thing we'll say on the topic. But we're gonna dredge up one other thing. Let's go to Ray Allen trying. To direct the offense. Many times, Doc Rivers tried to put the ball in Ray Allen's hands to set the offense up and ball handle, and he he wasn't able to do it. He's an off-ball shooter for that team most of the time. And you could still put the ball in KG's hands, and he did playmaking similar to the way we see it from Horford today. But Mm -hmm. Ray never really became... You know, somebody you could run the offense through. It was somebody that really was a spot up shooter. And he didn't like being relegated to spot up shooter, but he also needed to adapt a little bit better than he did. And he obviously has the brains and the ability to have done that. And for some reason, it just never came together for him. I'm not, I'm not totally sure what happened there. So let's end on this and then uh, we'll get to Glenn Davis in a second. But, um, if you are, I want to know which of the big, well, which of that 08 starting lineup you are on this issue with Ray? Are you KG? Are you Paul Pierce? Are you Rondo? Or are you sweet? <laughs> or are you Sweden? Which is Kendrick Perkins? <laughs> Sweden. What do you yep. mean? Why is he Sweden? Because he really doesn't take a hard stance on it. You know, when they oh, did okay. that thing on TNT, you know, with KG Area 21, he's like. Well, you know, man. Uh sometimes that's what happens with players, you know, there's egos, you know, he he was Sweden. For all the other personalities on there and on that team he was Sweden. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Yeah. So who I be the I know, I Paul, I know Paul
1: tried to be Sweden, but let's but let's be real. You know, Paul's still a little more in that Rondo and KG camp, or he would have fixed this a long time ago. So, yeah, of those guys, yeah. you know, obviously Rondo's at the far end of the spectrum, you know, and, and Perk is Sweden right. and Pierce is at the other end. So, you know, you kind of, you, you've got yeah. a little bit of a, a range to choose from in those personalities. Which one I, represents I your pick- attitude towards Ray I, Allen? I can't pick Big
0: Baby then in this group, right? That's, I know that's the next segment, but. No, we'll anyway. get there. Uh- <laughs> We'll get there. Big Um, baby is if
1: this situation makes you want to sit on the bench and cry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not big baby on this one. I'd say I'm KG. You know, I respect what Paul's doing. I respect where he's coming from, but show me. You know, come to me man to man. You need to show humility. You need to say, look, I made some mistakes here. Let's move on. Not. Well, mistakes were made, but let's move on. No, no, no. You need to accept some fault here, accept some responsibility for what happened. And he does in part in the book, he does say, I should have reached out, but you know, oh, it only took, you know, you know, six years to get there. Yeah, mean, that's in the and, book, and then, not and, when,
1: not during the playing days again, right, you know. Right. Uh, Sorry, I got
0: you. So what? You're Rondo? is uh, am so I, that you,
1: Rondo, dude. Yes. And I mean, I'm, I, you know, KG is the personality I most identify with. You know, on a day in a day out basis, Uh right. just my person, yeah. my general personality. He's the guy yeah. I love. Right. But on this issue, I'm, I'm, I'm Rondo to the max, and I have been, and I've hunkered down in the Rondo camp with this one for a long time doesn't mean I think Rondo's right or that he acted in the best way uh on those on those teams, and he definitely could have but but that's rondo right and and um Ray Ray should have been a little bit more of the bigger guy. All right, everybody. You can follow Celtic stuff live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me at CSL underscore. Justin John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS media network is at CLNS media, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS media app for ios and android simply search clns media in your app marketplace and there's also a youtube channel where you can find the best moments of this show certainly there'll be uh certainly i think we'll be talking on that youtube channel you'll be seeing highlights from our are you rondo paul or kg in the ray allen issue i'm sure that's what you'll be featured this week but There's also high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report. And I'm happy and pleased to tell everybody that we have a new sponsor. So listen up, fellas. 66% of men begin losing their hair by age 35 and then choose not to do a single thing about it until it's too late. However, it's a whole lot easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. So if you started to notice the receding hairline, come on, be honest. Or maybe you're like me and your son finally spoiled the secret that you couldn't see on your own. That's right, that little spot in the back. Guys, why is it that we do nothing when we can turn to medicine and science? Here's your chance. Our listeners get a free trial, one month of hymns for just $5. That's today. Right now, while supplies last, see the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So, to get your free trial, just go to 4 slash CSL2017. That's 4 com slash CSL2017. Get started today. All right, John. Let's talk about Big Baby Mo Money Mo Problems.
0: Jeez. Okay, let let's be clear here, right? Selling stuff live. I was I. We have been the, the probably against the Big Baby. We have been an anti Big Baby show. Uh, not maybe that's too strong, but we were ready to see him go in two thousand. Let's see. Was it? It was an ego, dude. It was the The ego ego on him. Absolutely.
1: At some point it just got worn out. He was entertaining. He was entertaining, but the humility wasn't there.
0: Well, the humility and, and the play didn't match, match the, uh, the mouth. And I think what, (laughs) speaking of humility, uh, so of course, uh, the story is TMZ, he's, he's out there and, and become a, a relatively, uh, notable drug dealer apparently is the is the claim selling marijuana and his response to this is um some would say hilarious most would probably say insane uh he's on a a private jet with a briefcase full of money and waving I what appears to be some sort of chicken yeah Popeyes popeye's chicken um that's his response to these claims look um no one ever said big baby was a, a, a smart man or a wise man um i'm just i'm flabbergasted at the whole thing i'm not surprised i'm completely i completely see it uh, i think is i think it certainly seals the fact his playing days are over for sure because uh, he did have some hopes of coming back this year uh, or next year but it's done it's over goodbye you know and he's just I, you know you can't i think he had a you know he he had a really hard upbringing and so i think a lot of this kind of comes back to that and you know not having a lot of guidance and making some poor decisions um
1: well the ego uh, is probably a cover up right. job
0: absolutely it's, it's, it's right. really it's
1: a exactly. cover up job and i guess that's the part where the sympathy goes out you know we criticized him for uh crying on the bench, you know, and we kind of just took a jab on the show there for entertainment value. But there was also the Shrek and Donkey moments that were just pure entertainment, elation, emotion. It was fun. That this team had to put up with a lot of interesting personalities during that stretch to round out the roster. Um, you know, even uh a uh twilight years of Shaq and Rasheed Wallace, right? We had to put, you know, so There was an interesting mix. Even Stephon Marbury was on this club. I mean, you just look at, you know, the players that came through to bolster the bench, and uh, that's what happens when you're all maxed out on the cap. It it can you got to go with young players. You know, I thought Sean Grandy and Maxwell cited Delonte West. In that, again, they really covered that beautifully before the Pelicans game. The, but they talk about that and say, you know, we were all very saddened what was going on with Delonte. I think the difference is, and the reason it's so easy to take pot shots or why the media does take pot shots at Glenn Davis is because he's not really diagnosed, right? Delonte West is full on diagnosed bipolar to the point where there are manic breaks with that kid well he's not a kid anymore but that man really loses his grip on reality and it's and it's scary and it's sad and you just wish that he you know gets all the support that he needs and you know hopefully recovers as quickly as possible when there is a break and it but I think with Glenn Davis Nobody really has, you know, any kind of like definitive diagnosis with him. And so they kind of see it as like a character flaw or a personality issue. Whereas Delonte has, you know, what people would might say. again, we don't really know with Glenn Davis, but people might say, you know, real issues, real struggles, real adversity. And, you know, here's Glenn Davis. He's made a pile of money. He's got a championship ring and. You know he's out there uh you know selling a quarter pound of marijuana out of aberdeen out of a hotel room in aberdeen maryland um and this was actually several weeks ago this well, this was not something where he got busted this week. it took a while for this to leak out
0: uh yeah, and he you know he certainly doesn't seem to show any sort of contrition uh in at all uh, you know and it's interesting you go to you talk, you mentioned the the issue of the mental health uh, aspect of this. And we, you know, we don't know. We don't know if there's an issue there. It seems like it's, it's fair to say there's something doesn't seem to be clicking, but, but that's, you know, whatever that means. And of course now kind of mental health has kind of risen, you know, to the forefront of the NBA.
1: um. it needs to you know, rise in society period. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, yeah, but continue to increase well, the awareness.
0: Yeah. But it, but it, but it's, it's a, it's a trickier subject, I think, than, um that i think w- what's been covered on the surface because in my mind yeah okay it's it, i i agree like there's certainly people you know people's health and well-being you know is paramount right like that's something we need to 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 support um you know if i don't want to go into politics certainly but there's a lot of talk lately about mental health and we need to help support mental health um you know maybe words are, are nice but but action is better um and you know the NBA of course you know Kevin Love wrote what he wrote and and you know, Demar Rosen um, but the the problem that I see is this is a league that millions and millions and millions billions of dollars are made every day on the basis of that edge that that edge whatever it takes is it lighter you know clothing better basketballs training techniques um you know lighting who knows i mean everyone is trying to get that edge right and to not expect someone to want to exploit that whatever someone's infirmity or illness or shortcoming or what have you is a is a hard place to be it you know we're
1: unrealistic
0: I think it is. I think it is unrealistic. I think now maybe we're in a different world now. You know, you and I grew up in an NBA where <laughs> it was no holds barred. It was, you know, Nixon pissed and Nixon and heat and Celtics Pistons and it was lockdown drag out and physically it was intense in that way. And the nineties were that way. And as you know, it, it has changed the, the dynamic and the culture of the league has changed. You know, I wonder how how the league can make a switch where we say, you know, this is a safe space for for mental health concerns and issues, and not expect teams to do what needs whatever they want to do to try to take advantage. And I'm not saying you know, messy with so yeah, you know, it's more on the court, verbal, what have you. But that's a very real thing. And so, anytime you show your 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 soft underbelly to the world, you're also showing it to your opponents. And I, I just wonder how the league deals with that. Not, it's easy to say, Hey, let's be out there. Let's support them. I think that's great. But how do you really change the league? I mean, how do you, can you outlaw that? Can you, are you going to out uh, start to, legislate uh, and, and administer, you know, issues with trash talking and who says what to whom and, it just seems like it's it can be it, it, they need to figure out where the, the where the black and the white is and where the gray area exists because it seems like it sounds great and and I'm and I'm supportive of the concept of it but practically how they figure out how to make I don't that, know the officials make, can barely oh.
1: call the game and call technicals correctly just based on physical contact right. to the point where it's not no fun watching the last 5 minutes because Every three or four times during that, they've got to take a five minute break to look at the screen. It that is a difficult challenge. There's no doubt. I just think from the fan base, I can see why, you know, just generally speaking, when Delonte West runs into trouble that yeah. people are a little more forgiving versus Glenn, because Big Baby, it's just not, at, you know, there's a substance abuse issue there, you know, and I think we all have to, I, I the people tend to lump mental health and substance abuse into the same thing. But, you know, the substance abuse is marijuana. Uh, and again, that's, uh, you know, I don't feel like that's as addictive. And so this is a lifestyle choice. And again, I think it just falls back on, you know, what people would term as a personality or a character flaw with Glenn Davis. And I think that's why people poke fun at him. And we don't need to dig in too deep on that one. But I would, but again, just to reemphasize that, like it's easy to have a soft heart and lots of support for Delonte. I think it's really hard for people to find that sense of compassion for Glenn Davis, especially when he's flying on a plane, which means he's still got plenty of cash and he's eating Popeye's and he's, you know, really flamboyantly, you know, throwing the money around, and I kind of get his point. It's just not well made. You know, I, there's yeah. there there is a legitimate point hidden in there. He's just the wrong spokesman. That's really what it boils down to. So. So, um, I don't think we need to de- drag that one out. There's your 2018 flashback. I mean, 2008, uh, decades, dec- a look back at a de- decade prior flashback on some players and some drama. It's just crazy, right? That that still, that team still lingers around. And it's also crazy to think that that team is that far gone, John. I mean, honestly, 10 years ago, we'd been doing this show for three or so years and watched that team climb out of the, out of the cellar under a new GM who is now widely considered the best GM in the league in Danny Ainge. And speaking of, you have to be pretty impressed with the way that this roster is constructed. Because as thin as it is, they still are fighting. Yeah, they had two losses Uh, since our last show, including uh, what became a blowout in the final minutes against the Pelicans, but a real shot at uh, winning one on last Wednesday against the Wizards, and then they took one down on Friday night. It's been a great opportunity for Tatum to, I would hope, and I would say – kind of get himself back on track and push through that rookie wall. I think increased minutes and responsibilities that, for the most part, other than free throws, he's been able to really respond to that strongly. Terry Rozier is – just playing for a contract. Man, man, does he deserve an opportunity to run a team at some point. Um, for all the people who made fun of Danny for picking him, that's looking like a really strong pick now, 100%. And then Morris, that funk he was in a month ago, we were kind of down on him. Now, again, it's still a lot of ISO, but he's been playing very strong. And then finally, a player I really enjoyed, Greg Monroe, Better than expected not starter caliber defense is still you know a lot to work on but offensively the passing the rebounding just feel like he's given this club quite a lot so uh, before we get into the injuries and talking about smart um, now that the surgery has happened as of Friday and Tice is out for the rest of the year what do you think about you know people stepping up over the last couple of weeks. Well, I
0: think, yeah, I think you're right about Tatum and just to take, take him for instance. And we talked last week about, you know, where he was and his number of shots. And then the next game, you know, Monday, of course, you know, it was, they, they played a double overtime. So it's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, he had 46 minutes, put 23 shots up, you know, and that's like, Oh, okay. That kind of widens up by far. I mean, that by far, that's the highest that he's had all year. The next highest was 19 shots that he had, uh, against Atlanta. You know, and and so you know that's like whoa, okay, now things are happening here. He's just he's doing things, whether it's against Atlanta, uh, or excuse me, or against Pelicans, you know, Orlando, really against Washington. I'd say the Washington and, and Pelicans game is probably his two best games, uh, in this recent stretch. Just really looking comfortable, playmaking from here and there, but 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 hitting his shots, adding things to the game. Scal said something during the game. Where he said, you know, it's not common to see guys add things offensively to their game this late in the year. You know, usually you get through the rookie wall and you're just trying to hold on. Seems like Tatum's adding things. He's doing, he's showing new little quirks, little things that he's adding, uh, as he gets into this. Now, now a 20 year old, uh, Jason Tatum. That's exciting. That's like, whoa, okay, this is something different. This isn't, we aren't on the normal, you know, curve of development here. We're, we're kind of off of it at this point. So, you know, is it, um, you know, I think he got a lot of flack. I was having a lot of conversations with some folks on Twitter saying, you know, he choked and, and they, the reason why they lost was like, you know, the Washington was like, look, they shouldn't even been in that game. They were playing half of that team was the main red claws playing in the, the Portland Expo for God's sakes. Okay. So. That they were even in the game is is ridiculous, okay? But what he did in that game, I mean, was just outstanding. I mean, and Marcus Morris, yes, but, but Tatum as a rookie stepping up, it's not going to happen every night. He's 20. He's a rookie. But the path that he's on, man, I don't think it's something you're going to count on in the playoffs. I don't think, you know, maybe he gets back to where his threes a little bit more reliable there from, you know, and, and of late, you know, I think his, his shooting has improved greatly. I mean, he's, he's not at that 50% mark, He's taking but a few more of those
1: mid-range shots too, which I think helps him get into a groove. And I think he was really relegating himself to only shooting from outside. And now he's making plays to the rim, a couple of and ones again, all of those things that have a little bit less predictable package coming from him so he's got to figure out how he works that in with less touches again when Brown comes back you know obviously Brown was playing strong Kyrie I think is right around the corner probably will see him this week Brown if not by the end of this week the beginning of next week no reason to rush anybody back and it looks like for the playoffs we should have everybody but Tice although I feel like As much as I liked Tice for the contribution you expect in the postseason, Monroe should be able to fill in enough off the bench in that regard. And then smarts out six to eight weeks, maybe – He comes back after five weeks like Chris Paul did. He is going to miss some time in the postseason. And then, of course, Gordon Hayward, we find out that he suffered a setback uh, six or seven weeks ago now, uh, right around January, February time frame, and it probably cost him two weeks in his rehab. So maybe he doesn't come back, or maybe he doesn't come back right away. You and I have uh, duly noted our optimism in that regard. But... To the point of all these injuries, there's no reason to rush them back because in the standings, there's only 12 games to go. They have a six and a half game lead over Cleveland, seven over Indiana. Cleveland's got 13 left. Indiana has 12. Even if both of those teams win 75% of their games, which is another eight um, down their stretch, the Celtics really only need to win, like, three or four games realistically, Um, not mathematically there. You know, maybe Cleveland goes on a crazy tear and goes 10-3. and three. But really, the Celtics should only have to win three or four, and if they do that, they lock up that second seed. I guess the question that I pose to you as we wrap the show, John, is should they try to make a run in lieu of all of these injuries – on Toronto since they do have two games slated up against the Raptors if they were to win both of those they'd close that deficit to 3 or do you think let's just let's just relax let's just shut it down let's just try to be as healthy as possible when the playoffs start in the middle of April
0: i think if if you had some semblance of the team that you expect in health anywhere near regular health then you would where they are right now, <laughs> maybe it's, I'm still shell shocked a month, a week later here when, you know, in rapid succession, it seemed like everybody was out forever, uh, over a three or four day period. But I, no, I think right now you, you shut it down. You've got a comfortable lead, uh, over Toronto, I should say over Cleveland. You're a fair amount back from Toronto at this point. Um, I, the only thing you can do is going in fully healthy. There's nothing that I've seen that makes me concerned about if Indiana, Washington, or even, you know, Cleveland, uh, quite frankly. I've, I mean, I'm concerned about Cleveland because it's LeBron James, and LeBron James can go supernova, but the – yeah, well, we we're all. Yeah, but you've got home
1: worry. court, which is yeah. all you need against them, right? The only team you don't have home court against is is Toronto. Toronto and right. I'm not sure it matters against Toronto, which is why right. I say go ahead and shut it down. I'm 100 percent in agreement there. You know, and I don't mean shut them down, but I mean like Kyrie. I'd I'd say you alternate nights with him, or give him two games off and one game on. We want him to stay fresh enough. In terms of conditioning, et cetera. That's my issue. Yes. It isn't winning games. It's if we shut him down for 12 and he literally doesn't play for a month, is he going to be too rusty when the postseason comes up again? So maybe you put him on a limits restriction. Maybe you don't play him every night, but you got to keep him somewhat conditioned. Maybe you have him play the last two games in full stride. Um, whatever it is, he's got to stay in game shape, but, but that's pretty much all he needs to do in my mind. Well,
0: and you know Greg Monroe. You mentioned Greg Monroe. He's going to play a key role here. You know through the playoffs, they need to play Greg. Greg's getting comfortable doing what the Celtics need him to do. Brad's getting a chance to see what Greg Monroe can do. Coach him up
1: on defense and the rotations, because I don't think that's. I think but, that's almost been foreign to him.
0: Yeah, but I, but I absolutely, but I also think that he needs to play with the guys he's going to play with, and he can't do that with. You know, Jalen Brown with a, you know, a concussion and Horford out with Vilnius and Kyrie, like he needs to play with those guys right now, especially with Tice out. So this is an opportunity where. They need to build that chemistry now. So yes, I think you're right. You need to. You can't just shut Kyrie I down. I
1: thought about two that. Two the second unit is the starting lineup for all intents and purposes Absolutely. right now, with the exception of like Horford. That you know, but he kind of glues it all together so that it still works while they get that familiarity. That's a mm-hmm. that's a fantastic point. It's like they're all in there together, and as a result, and more minutes than they would have. So there is some major upside, not only in terms of long-term development for younger players like Rozier and, and letting Tatum just work on different parts of his game and expand it, but just from a playoff second unit chemistry standpoint, there's benefits this season.
0: And you know, and just quickly to that point, you know, we were worried about Tatum shooting. He's a 40% three-point shooter since the break, so he has regained his form from where he was. Um, You know, not he's not fifty percent shooting, but forty percent shooting for for a rookie who no one thought could shoot from the outside. Pretty darn good guys. Pretty darn good. <laughs> we got something here with that guy. You know, they're they're in good shape. You know, and yeah, we're we're seeing the bench is probably is pretty thin, and you know, but we knew that going into the year. We knew that this was going to be. We're relying upon rookies. We knew that the, you know, relying upon rookies was going to be a concern. We never thought we'd see the injuries that we've seen this year. I mean, it's just absurd, but you know, look, they're, they're learning. They're getting better. They're doing things from night to night. I still want to see more of Yabaselli, but look, I I think they're, um, they're making strides and people need to just, just take a breath, chill out. It's all good. You know, pretty much we're going to be where we're going to be. And uh, let's see where we go in in a month time it's actually the playoffs.
1: Yeah, first time in a long time they haven't been fighting for necessary playoff position. If you remember, the last several postseasons, we had a similar conversation, except it was how hard do they need to play? And even last year, there was that real bang-up for the two through four spots, and or maybe even five at one point, you know, heading into it. But they were really playing out strong, and it was like they have to gun for it. They have to gun for it. They need the highest possible seating. And then we wondered, would it come at a cost in the postseason? And they have a luxury this year where they can rest these players instead of taking that beating and it winding up, costing them in the postseason. However, though, with the injuries the way they've been, it's hard to say that they won't rear their ugly heads again I'm not so worried about Marcus Smart. The way he came back after his last uh, bit of rest, I think, tells us that he'll be a better player. They should be able to get out of the first round in the two seed without him, and then they really need him in that second round, and then who knows. I still think all bets are off with Hayward. I I think there's going to be a chance we see him, but – We'll talk about that more next week. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in this week. And remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media Dick Gelso and my co host John Duke. I'm Justin Pool, thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.